Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Good morning. What a joy it is to be with our New Hope family once again. And uh, it was a thrill to be able to see the International Mission Board video that uh, focused on the Embera people in Colombia. Uh, because living in Panama, we have a city ministry and we have a jungle ministry. In our city ministry, um, like has already been announced, we're going to have you guys come and work with us in some of our ongoing projects that we do in and around Panama City. But we also uh, regularly go out to the border between Colombia and Panama. And when we are out there, uh, the group that we primarily work with are the Embera people. And so uh, Shelly's going to say a little bit more about this in just a minute. But you saw some of the, the, the arts and crafts that the Embera people make. Well, we have Embera uh, arts and crafts with us today that you can buy to support uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So I, I don't want to say everything that Shelley might say here in a few minutes, but just to know the anticipation is rising that you too can have some of what you have seen in the video for a, a big price. No, for, for, for a, a generous donation to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Well, like I say, it is, uh, it is such a joy to be back here in Cape Coral with New Hope Church. Pastor David, he started a series on Advent last Sunday, and this series is called, What's Your Focus? And so this topic is going to carry you guys into the new year through this Advent season. Pastor David spoke of Zechariah. And in the case of Zechariah, uh, a beautiful story where a man who um, was struggling with his belief, but in the end, his unbelief was transformed into inspiring belief to the praise and glory of God, and so that his, his focus was, was, was directed toward the plan and purpose of God to provide a Redeemer, to provide a Messiah. And just like Zechariah, my prayer, our prayer, is that today some of us will gain a new focus, that we will gain a new perspective, new motivation, new desire to seek Jesus during this Advent season. Some of you were around in 2020 when uh, Shelly and I came and uh, we volunteered for about nine weeks here in 2020. Uh, anybody remember that? Uh, yeah, I see those hands. So uh, some of you guys remember the, the weeks that uh, at the tail end of the pandemic that Shelly and I were able to come and volunteer here at New Hope. And, um, and so a lot of you already know some of our story that uh, we've been in Panama for the last five and a half years. Before that, we were in Europe for 18 years, and most of our time in Europe, we were working alongside David and Chanel, and uh, that has been one of the greatest thrills of our life, to be able to be in mission team with them working in both Germany and in Spain, but one of the things that we learned from Europeans was about Advent. 
Here in North America, we pay some lip service to Advent. In Latin America, where we are now, it's not really a thing. But the Europeans, they really know how to celebrate Advent. And so what we, uh, what we learn from them, uh, we're, 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 trying to, uh, we're trying to pass it along because it is a very special time of year. And so you guys already know the Advent season is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And Advent literally means the coming. And so it is a time for us to, to set aside and to consider our need for Christ. It's a time for us to, to ponder all of the reasons why Jesus needed to come to earth. Why he had to bring us salvation. We couldn't do it for ourselves. It is a time to purposefully feel this, this anticipation, this expectation, and to tap into a rising desire of what will be. And so if we celebrate Advent well, it's going to be, it's going to be a mix of both grief and joy because it recognizes the longing, the lack, and our desperate, our, our desperate need for salvation. It's both happy and sad at the same time. And I fear that we as North Americans, we don't, we don't generally give time and space enough for celebrating this, this, this aching, this yearning, this pining, this hoping, this expecting and anticipating. But that's what true Advent does. And so I ask, along with what Pastor David asked last week, what's your focus? What's rolling around in your brain right now? Are you thinking about Christmas parties? Are you thinking about shopping lists? Are you thinking about decorating? Are you thinking about watching a Charlie Brown Christmas? It's a good show. And I know that you guys especially have come out of a really, really difficult season. Some of you are still right in the middle of trying to reorganize your lives. There are lots and lots of potential distractions. But I want to encourage you to take time during these four weeks to focus on some really important things. To celebrate Advent in the intended way. In that in the triumphant conclusion at Christmas, that the completion of this time is a more intense celebration of Christmas. Filled with thankfulness. Filled with awe, filled with relief when it finally gets here. In recent years, uh, one Christmas song, probably more than any other, has been especially meaningful to me by an artist named Danny Gokey and called Until You. And just a few lines from this, from this song says, We were hopeless, looking for an answer until you. We were hurting, calling for a helper until you. You put a star up in the sky and angels up on high, declaring the good news. We were desperate, longing for a savior until you. Glory, glory, Christmas morning. Hallelujah, all is new. Love came down and changed our story. Every heart was waiting 
until you. And may that be our focus during this Advent season. And whereas Pastor David, he started at the very beginning of the Christmas story last week, I'm going to jump to the end and kind of work my way back. I want to present two characters who represent this hopeful disposition, this attitude that we're striving for. Two people who often get cut out of the story. We generally stop reading uh, the narrative of Christmas when we get to their part. But I think we can learn something about the attitude of Advent from then. So I'm going to start in Luke 2, verse 25. You can read in, uh, in the Bible that you brought, or you can read on the screen. Luke 2, 25 to 32 says this. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. So here, this example of Simeon, I see an individual who had his focus in the right place. Scripture says that he was looking forward to God's promise. He yearned, he pined, he hurt for Israel's consolation. He lived in hopeful anticipation of heaven coming to earth. And when he saw it with his very own eyes, he simply said this, You can take me home now, Lord. You, God, have done what you said you would do. And so just a little further, a couple of verses down, we see another character. Luke 2, verse 36 to 38. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, her faith became sight. And as we read here about Simeon and Anna... The scripture seems to indicate that, that they had waited a lifetime for the, the consolation, for the comfort, for the redemption, for the salvation of Israel. And this help, this rescue of God's people, it was their consuming passion. Nothing else mattered. And so with expectant faith and enduring hope, Anna was a widow for 80 years. 
four years. She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and with prayers. I don't know about you, but I have trouble sticking to a commitment for more than a few hours or a few days to think someone's serving the Lord continuously night and day for 84 years. And, and, and it, it seems to, to say here that, that she spent the better part of a century in hopeful expectation of what God would do. And so, again, I ask the question, what are you hoping for? What are you waiting for? And are those, are those things, those ideas, those passions, those priorities, are they really worthy of your time, of your talent, of your treasure? Are you searching for God and His rescue this Advent? What's your focus? In the spirit of Simeon and Anna, I want us to consider another level of hope and anticipation today. We are hopeful in the coming of baby Jesus. We are hopeful that He was born to die, to make the way open between us and God the Father. We, were ho- we are hopeful that it was, it was not only for the people of Lee County that Jesus came. But in the words of Simeon himself, he said that the Messiah will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's most of us. And so when, when Simeon said that when the Messiah comes, he will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, from that moment, it took about 50 years for the church to, to kind of direct its attention outside of its little inner circle and start, and start looking to take the news of the Messiah to the Gentile world, to the non-Jewish world. And so we see that 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 started happening about 50 years later, and it's still becoming reality today. And just like Simeon and Anna, we are hopeful about God's message, more hopeful than we've ever been before that Jesus is the answer to lostness. You guys saw a video last week from IMB, and one of the main messages of that video, it said, lostness is the greatest problem in the world. The greatest problem in the world today is that too many people are living their lives separated from God. They don't know the peace. They don't know the joy. They don't know the love of a Savior that we sang so passionately about, that we preach with all of our energy during this time. The world population this year surpassed 8 billion people for the first time. And somewhere around 3 out of those 8 billion people, they don't know enough about Jesus to even be able to respond to him. They don't know how to follow him because they've never heard how to follow him. This even includes people groups in Central America where we live. It includes the Embera people that we saw in the video. And so we celebrate that among one of our people groups along the border of Colombia and Panama, they experienced their very first conversion to Christ in that people group this year. 
May that lead to thousands more. Shelly's going to come and, and kind of give a, uh, a, a little word. I'm not exactly sure what she's going to say, so I'm not going to introduce it. I'm not exactly. I've got Jacob's microphone. She has Jacob's microphone. Is it on? Beyond. Oh. Okay. All right. It's on now. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to say either, so just stick with me. Um, we, we didn't know what video you would be seeing, and so that was kind of exciting and, you know, probably not a coincidence that we got to see about the Embera people of, of Columbia in the video today with some of our colleagues that work with them there because we have the opportunity very often um, about once a month, we have the opportunity to go far, far into the jungle um, of Panama and work with the same people group that have basically fled Colombia over years and years and years and have, um, now they call Panama home. The Panama Embera, we call them Embera, it's the same people group, um, they are more reached for Christ and they have felt the call to take the gospel to their own people group who the majority of them still live in Colombia. So we are working with them on just helping um, support, love, um, just they, they have the calling. There are four missionaries, Embera missionaries, that have grown up in Panama. They call Panama home. Their family, they were blessed, and they know this. They were blessed to be born into a family of Christians. Their parents were first reached with the gospel, and as they've been born, they've been loved and raised to, to, to know Jesus, and then they feel this call that they are to do what God is, is saying that all of us should be doing, and that is reaching others for Christ. So they are going completely against their tradition, their culture, to move away from home, move away from family. Um, in the Embera family, when you are born, the expectation is you are going to die in the same house you were born in because you're going to stay there with family. So for them to say yes to Jesus and move far, far away so that they can reach their own people in their own language um, with the gospel is something very, very special. So we have the opportunity, and so we have brought some of their goods that they have made, what you were able to see in the video, to just help us help them as we support. You will be part of the team, just like we are part of their team, to help reach further, further, further into parts of Panama and Colombia that we, as North Americans, even Latinos cannot go. The Embera have to reach the Embera. It takes the whole world to reach the whole world. So that's one part of our ministry. And if you want to know more about what it takes to be a part of something like that, it is, it, it's an exciting adventure. Um, to get to where we do that ministry is um, no easy task. Um, it is worth it at every turn, but we can talk to you more about that. I do want to tell you a little bit about the, the part of the, uh, the ministry that when you, when you come on a mission trip to Panama this coming year, you will be joining us in another part of our ministry, which focuses on 
the city of Panama and the surrounding areas. This last year for eight, no, 12 straight weeks, 12 straight weeks without a break, we were able to host team after team after team after team of our churches, people from many, many different churches here in the United States. They would come on Saturday morning, and no, Saturday evening, and they would leave on Saturday morning the next week. And then a new group would get there on Saturday evening, and it, would be, it was like that for three months straight, eight, uh, 12 weeks straight. We have the great privilege of working alongside many, many, many different ministries in Panama. We don't go in and start anything on our own. We work with Panamanian Christians, pastors, churches, ministries in order just to give more hands and feet to the efforts that they are doing. Y'all got to experience a lot of similar type stuff just recently. I think up until like last week, right? This, this past week, the last of some folks that came to, to be more hands and feet to New Hope as you've been reaching and loving on your community, that's what we have the opportunity to do in Panama as well. So we have about nine to ten different things that throughout a week Everyone that comes on that, that trip have an opportunity to, to touch, be part of very, very vital ministries that having more hands and feet are, is, is vital. So I want to tell you a little story about a guy that I'm going to call RJ. RJ um, grew up in, in the United States of America. He is by... Um, ethnicity, whatever, I don't know what we call that. Um, he is Panamanian, but he grew up in the United States. And so when he was a teenager, his family moved him back to Panama. They as a family moved back to Panama. He did not speak Spanish. He kind of understood Spanish a bit, but his first language was English by growing up here. And so he, they move home, and for RJ... It's not really home, but yet he's supposed to feel like it is. And so he started coming to, a, at the university, we had an English conversation outreach. And he would come, and it was not because he was interested in anything of the gospel. He was pretty averse to conversations, really, about anything about Jesus. But he was coming because he could speak English, and he needed friends. And so week after week, he would come. I found that the people that had the most impact on RJ's life were some of the, the women that came on the trips that were 75, 80 years old. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, and they, they came and they would have conversations with RJ. And they, you know, and there's just something about a conversation with somebody that's not afraid to just say it like it is. Hmm. And they would just share the gospel, not because they were pastors. They didn't get into theological discussions. They loved RJ and they loved Jesus. And they would just say that because what did they have to lose, right? And they just, they just loved on him, and he kept coming, and he kept coming. Now, I wish 
I had an end to the story that RJ gave his heart to the Lord. He has not. But he continues to come after the summer We were able to springboard then that ministry of English outreach to a Bible study where he continues to come every week. And so he he thinks he's coming because he's found some community, he's found some friendship, but what he's really seeking, and he just doesn't know it yet, and he will find the Lord. So um, that's just a little story of a way that, that things that happen um, in Panama City, people that come of a variety of ages, um, make an impact. And the thing that you take away from a trip to Panama City, as well as I hope you will take away just even after we've been with you today, is... Maybe just a little tweak in how am I living my life? How am I living missionally every day of my life? Am I going to the store because I need to pick up bread? Or am I going to the store to love on somebody in the name of Jesus and I'll get bread while I'm there? So that's my encouragement to you and thank y'all for having us be with you today. I would like to conclude my part with just two brief stories, and, uh, and then we will uh, conclude our time together. The first story also relates to a volunteer team who had come to work with us in the city in one of those eight to ten ministries that, uh, that Shelley talked about that we support on an ongoing basis. This ministry is called Juntos Podemos, which in Spanish means together we can. And it's a ministry uh, in, a, in a very disadvantaged part of town. The children who come to this ministry, they participate in, in a school that is there. And many of them, their parent, they may live with an aunt, they may live with a grandparent. Uh, because many of them, their parents are either in jail or they live on the streets or they're totally wrapped up in the drug culture there. Um, But these children have very, very few opportunities for success in life if it wasn't for this ministry, Juntos Podemos, in the the part of town called Curundu. We were there ministering uh, in this school, and right next door to the school is a boxing club. In Panama, they're really interested in three sports. They like soccer. Of course, it's called football there. Uh, They like soccer, they like baseball, and they like boxing. And Panama has produced many of the world's greatest boxers over the years. Uh, one recognizable name is Roberto Duran. Uh, younger people probably don't know that name, but anybody my age and older uh, would probably know that he was a very, very famous uh, world-renowned boxer. And so in this boxing club right next door to the ministry where we served, um, we went in to tour with this volunteer group. And uh, up on the wall, you walk in, and the names of over 30 world champion boxers have come out of this tiny little boxing club in this disadvantaged neighborhood in Panama City. And the guy who was talking to us, he, he kind of pointed out, and we saw young people. We saw, we saw 10-year-olds. We saw 15-year-olds. We saw 25-year-olds being trained by groups of men in this boxing club and he looked at us and he said he said you know what today i can tell you we have three former world champion boxers 
training young people in the art of boxing today. And when he said that to me, my jaw like dropped to the floor because I thought about my own selfish life. And I thought, if I were a world champion boxer, would I be here teaching 10-year-old kids how to do that? Or would I be enjoying my fame and my fortune? Would I be out on a beach or on a boat or simply just living life? And that day I, I learned once again the value of the responsibility that when God blesses you with something, you have a responsibility to help the next one in line. And so I know that you guys are a church full of resources. You're full of smart people. You're full of, of, of people who have money, who have education, who have life experiences, who are going to need to impact the world around you. And so I want to challenge you in the same way that those three world champion boxers that day were pouring into the generation to come. I want you to do the same right here in Cape Coral, in Lee County, in southwest Florida, to the ends of the earth. Because all of us are going to come to the day when we stand before the Lord Jesus and he's going to say, what did you do with what I entrusted to you. God's given each one of us time and talents and treasure that we need to be multiplying for eternal things. And I want to encourage you to do that. One way you do, Philip was uh, mentioning the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering has been the way that our family has been supported 100% for 24 years. So please receive with the most heartfelt gratitude I can muster up. Please know what a personal blessing that has been to us. You have provided us a place to live. You've provided us a car to drive. You've provided us an opportunity to send our kids to college. You've given us insurance. You've given us a retirement plan. All of that is because of faithful people just like you who give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So I encourage you, please be generous as you do that. Maybe you go back there and you see a, a pair of Embera earrings and, you, and, and, and the price on there is $15 and you say, well, I'm feeling extra generous. I'll give 50 today for that pair of earrings. Who knows how God's going to touch your heart to do that. But my prayer is that, is that you would consider how you can be a part of God's global plan to, to pray, to give, to go, to send the people of your church to the ends of the earth. My last story, and then we're wrapping up. I want to tell you just very briefly about a friend of ours named Fortunato. Fortunato is Embera, just like you saw in the video. His wife, Soila, also Embera. They fled from Colombia to Panama a number of years ago because of narco-traffickers and armed militia groups that were, that were regularly coming into their village, and they had to get away. When they came to Panama, they knew nothing of the gospel because the Embera people are very animistic, um, they, you know, they, they, don't, they, they don't think about modern medicine. They would much rather send their sick child to the witch doctor than they would to the medical clinic. And these are kind of the worldview questions that come up for us with them. 
And so Fortunato, uh, a, a couple years back, he came to Christ. We had our Embera missionaries that uh, Shelley was talking about preached in Fortunato's village. And he accepted the Lord and he was baptized. And so he started coming to some of our, to some of our worship services. And he would bring his wife Soila with him. With, and, and so Soila, she was totally opposed to the gospel. She was like, I can't believe that, you've, that, you're, that, you're, that you're following that crazy teaching. She said, I'm mad at you because now you won't go to the parties with me anymore. And they were world famous as a couple of going to these, going to these Indian parties where for seven to ten days you drink yourself into a drunken stupor. And you just stay that way. And they tell stories of how their daughters would literally have to drag their bodies home to keep them from just like being out under the elements. They're from a little village called Coco. And this, uh, the main town that we work in, in the, in the interior, is called Hake. Coco is an hour and a half boat ride up the Hake River from where we are. And so over time, Soila just started listening to Bible stories, listening to Bible stories, listening to Bible stories. Our experience all over the world, in Europe, Central America, everywhere you go, if you can get somebody to be exposed to the Word of God, the Word of God is powerful and will do its work. And so long-term exposure to the Word of God in the presence of a credible witness is how people come to faith all around the world. And we saw this with Soila, that over time... She became more and more open to the gospel. And uh, a year ago, right now, she opened up the door of her heart and she just gave herself 100% to the Lord. And since then, she and, and Fortunato have been training in the, to tell Bible stories in the Embera language. And so I had the distinct joy, uh, Shelly and I, recently that we went on a trip up to their village to Coco. And this was the village where they were from. This was where they were famous for uh, their antics of, uh, of going to the, to the Indian parties and living very um, crazy dark lives. And so Fortunato uh, had been learning Bible stories. And we were with him when he went back to his village where the people knew everything about him. They knew everything that he had done. And he was able to give testimony to God's work in his life. And he boldly shared gospel stories in his village. And for Shelley and I to be able to go and be a part of an experience like that, where he returned to his hometown and faced uh, those who knew him best, uh, was just such a joy. To see how the gospel is multiplying in the lives of people like him. Uh, in, in the lives of, of people like RJ, in the, in the lives of other people um, who we see in Panama, in Central America, who are coming to faith, who are becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so we thank you for the part that you play in all of this, because if you didn't do what you do, we couldn't do what we do. And so let me pray for you, and then Pastor Chuck's going to close us out. Lord Jesus, I give you praise for who you are. Your goodness, your kindness, your favor over us is so obvious. 
Lord, I pray for each of us that you would direct our focus toward you. Lord, I pray that you would make us like Simeon. I pray that you would make us like Anna, where we live in such a hopeful expectation of what you are doing in and around us. Lord, awaken us. Open our eyes to see your kingdom coming to earth. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to build your church right in our very midst, here in Florida, to the ends of the earth. Captivate our minds and our priorities. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.